1: Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And that was my cat. <laughs> we're going to talk about the Super Bowl and we're going to talk about some of the stuff that happened in the game. But more than that, we're going to get into uh, two key questions uh, from the game that tie into um, the 49ers. So let's get into it. That might have been the weirdest Super Bowl ever from this standpoint. I'm watching with a, a couple friends, not like a huge party, but like probably like six or seven people. And we're sitting around and we're all into the game and, you know, people are following their props and, you know, we're commenting on the game and stuff. The Bengals line up for their fourth and one at the end of the game. And there was this collective like, oh, sh- oh. Like this is the, the this is the game, like the, it's about to be over if they don't get this. It was yeah. such a weird like it wasn't like everybody edge of their seat like oh man it was it was this collective realization of like oh the Rams might win the Super Bowl if they if they don't get this fourth down.
2: Was there drinking involved where you were? Maybe <laughs> that tends to happen when you you know you lose track of exactly what the stakes are in each individual moment, but. Um, yeah, I, 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 I had sort of the same feeling like, oh man, this is, this is really it. And this is well, what was interesting to me about the game was, I mean, and, and we'll talk about it tying into the 49ers too, but it, it, what the Rams do ties directly into the 49ers, right? Because mm-hmm. they are in the NFC West and that's what the 49ers are going to have to contend with twice a year, at least, um, going forward, if they are going to get back to that type of contention, um, what it took for the Rams to get there, right? It took the Matt Stafford trade, the Jalen Ramsey trade, took drafting Aaron Donald, um, took hiring Sean McVay. And there are a lot of parallels to make in terms of the overall top heaviness of the Rams roster, I think, right? Because the Rams mm-hmm. have a lot of dudes, right? They have, um, they have elite players at important positions. I think the big differentiating factor between the Rams and 49ers right now his quarterback and you know Matt Stafford one of the biggest throws of the game is a no look pass to Cooper Cup and what made Cooper Cup so much more impressive as that game wore on was the fact that they had to do it without Odell Beckham Jr. and Mm -hmm. so the entire world knew the Rams were going to Cooper Cup and the Rams were still able to do it and that speaks to Matt Stafford just his pure talent like it it's it's a lot of reps obviously but it's it's just pure talent to be able to throw a no look pass to a guy Mm -hmm. and like those aren't things that jimmy garoppolo can do right and so these these are the 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 types of things that differentiate winning a championship versus being a very good team
1: well right and To your point about quarterbacks just kind of solving a lot of problems, if the 49ers played in a game where they ran it 23 times for 43 yards with a long rush of eight, and the quarterback was intercepted twice and went for 7.1 yards per attempt on 40 attempts, the 49ers are losing that game. But because they had a quarterback who could make the throw that you mentioned, that no-look throw to Cooper Cup, and who can hit Cooper cup on a sick back shoulder throw on the front pylon with decent coverage by Eli Apple. It's the, those those are the margins we're talking about. It's a throw here and a throw there. And if you have a guy that can make those throws, all of a sudden the fact that you averaged two yards to carry matters less. Right. And the magnifying glass has taken off those mistakes because of the the throws that do get made
2: yeah particularly in crunch time and and the calls made by the coach right like fourth and one one of the biggest one of the biggest plays in the game right on the last go-ahead touchdown drive fourth and one instead of cramming it up the middle after the rams had been struggling to run it throughout the entire game they do something creative and give it to cooper cup on one of those jet sweeps And it works and it's getting the ball in your best player's hand at the, at one of the biggest plays in the game to that point. And that of course makes you think about Kyle Shanahan trying to run it up the middle, um, against the Rams in that, you know, second and third down situation leading to his decision to punt or take the delay of game penalty and punt, um, in the fourth quarter of the Rams game, which was a pretty significant development in that game because the very next snap Joukowsky tart drops the interception, Rams go down and kick a couple field goals, and we know how that goes. But ultimately, like, and and this is a question I I would love to ask Kyle Shanahan because I think he would be receptive to answering it openly and honestly with his football acumen because he loves to talk about that type of stuff. When you ask him, like, what's the risk in a play like that where the Rams give the ball to Cooper Cup on fourth and one versus just trying to run it up the middle? Right. Because to me, as you know, very much like a football layman, like it drives me nuts on short yardage and key, key games where it's just like, just cram it up the middle of the running back. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes it's a long developing play. It allows linebackers to fill those gaps because you have to like take a few steps back, hand the ball off to the back. Then he still has to take a few steps just to get to the line of scrimmage. And by that point, when there are so many people, in the a gaps and b gaps and so many people just playing near the line of scrimmage. It's like, it's tough to get those yard, those yards sometimes. Whereas if you run an outside play, there's fewer people there. (laughs) There's there's fewer defenders there to make a play. And so Kyle Shanahan being super conservative on short yardage and I get quarterback sneaks work, but I'm talking about when you don't have, when, you know, when you have more than a foot or whatever, so what I, I know you had something you wanted
1: to just Just to piggyback off that, the the wild thing with because that stood out was oh, look, biggest play of the year for the Rams, and they find a way to get it to their best guy. And the thing that makes it baffling with, with the 49ers against the Rams, hey, outside of the decision to punt on fourth and two, but the the thing that made it baffling was we saw them on third and seven in a huge play against Green Bay the week before, hand it to Debo Samuel, and he, lo and behold, made a play, he goes for nine, sets up the game-winning field goal. And so to go away from that in the NFC Championship and seeing that juxtaposed with what the Rams did and the result they got. It just it makes it even more glaring. And and we harp on that that sequence in the NFC Championship because that was kind of the season. That was that was really what it came down to. And Kyle Shanahan said as much. So it was, it's that's another, you know, we talk about we talked a little bit about the the possible change with Kyle Shanahan and his fourth down play calling when he has a quarterback that you know can move a little bit and maybe a quarterback that he trusts a little more um I'm interested to see if moving forward in those spots we see them just find a way to get it to Debo Samuel find a way to get it to George Kittle because that's what those guys are there for like to make the big plays
2: yeah and so yeah I think those are all great points and you know we 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 wanted to talk about you know, how you view the 49ers in the prism of, of that particular Super Bowl, right? And what stands out about the Bengals and the Rams, quarterback first and foremost, right? Mm-hmm. Second, I would say offensive weapons, right? Because you look at, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., Cooper Cup, um, Jamar Chase, um, T. Higgins, like there are plenty of weapons. There's, there's at least two or three elite types of weapons on each offense for the quarterback to distribute the ball to Mm -hmm. the 49ers have that yes um the 49ers have the pass rush that i think you need yes i think they have the offensive line that you need um so really like the different the differentiating factor between like the rams and the 49ers to me comes down to or factors i should say jalen ramsey Because the 49ers Mm -hmm. do not have somebody in the secondary who you just say, go lock this guy down. Go cover their best player with the Mm -hmm. season on the line and make a play. Um. And Stafford, right? Stafford Mm -hmm. just being able to pull throws, pull off throws in key situations. And like Stafford's in that tier now. Like Stafford is absolutely in that tier of like, all right, he's an elite quarterback. He won a Super Bowl. It wasn't like, you know, the Rams team overall was good. The defense was good. The weapons are good, but it never felt like the Rams carried Stafford. It felt like Stafford was as important to their success as anything. Yeah. They ran for 40 yards, <laughs> right? E- exactly. And, and he came up with the plays when they needed them. And that's ultimately the biggest difference between the 49ers and the Rams at this moment is that Stafford whether it was the fourth quarter against the Niners in the NFC championship game or just the playoffs overall, Stafford was really good. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, four, four touchdowns and six interceptions in six career playoff games, I think. Um, it's not great, obviously. So that that is how you need to look at Trey Lance going forward, right? Mm-hmm. Trey Lance turn into Turn into a playmaking quarterback and make those plays at the biggest moments when the season's on the line, when a potential championship is on the line, because that's going to be the expectation. The expectation for the 49ers now is that the ceiling of the offense needs to be higher. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you have the dynamic athleticism and the big arm of Trey Lance to push the ball Mm -hmm. downfield, to extend plays with his legs, to scramble for first downs when he needs to in the way that like, you know, Joe Burrow did against against the chiefs right Mm -hmm. and ultimately if trey lance lives up to what what his skill set signals he could be the 49ers are in that mix i mean they obviously they went to the nfc championship game they played in the super bowl two years ago like they have the foundation the institutional development to um to be that team year in and year out but ultimately now the attention shifts to Trey Lance to be to take the offense to that next level and ergo allow Kyle Shanahan if he can change up his his attitude towards short yarded situations and high leverage spots you know a fourth and short third and short whatever if Trey Lance allows Kyle Shanahan to adapt by playing well and being good in those key moments then the 49ers really do have a championship ceiling. But without that elite quarterback play, we've we've learned over and over again, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or Matt Stafford now, um, that you just you your quarterback play has to be at a different level to be a championship team. It can't just be a good quarterback, which Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. You need elite playmaking in big moments to win Super Bowls.
1: Yes. And to consistently be in the mix for them. Yeah. Um, the other, the other thing, because I don't really have anything to add with the quarterback stuff. Like it's, it's too important of a position to go in with a eh, maybe. I, that just can't. Um, that just can't um, continue to be a thing. Like you can't, you can't succeed consistently in the nfl when your quarterback might may or may not be a question mark that week um the other the other thing i want to get to though is the rams identified weaknesses and that's kind of their their all-in team building strategy right they don't have a first-round pick until 2024 and they went out and they signed Odell Beckham Jr., and they, they traded the mid-round picks for, for Vaughn Miller to add to their pass rush. Um, they traded multiple first-round picks to go get Jalen Ramsey a couple seasons back. I know the Niners already traded two firsts for, for Trey Lance, not even advocating they go trade first-round picks, but I think there's something to be said for a team-building strategy of, oh, let's just all get the most talented players. And I'm interested to see this offseason. You talked about having a player like Jalen Ramsey. Okay, maybe maybe a Jalen Ramsey's not out there because he's arguably the best cornerback in the league. But are they gonna solve that cornerback problem they have with okay, throw a couple more draft picks at it and cross their fingers? Or are they gonna go try and kick tires on JC Jackson or pick another available free agent corner? And go in go into the season with a little more certainty at that spot. And that's just one position. They could do that at, at multiple spots, offensive line and um maybe on the defensive line too. But that's that's the other thing. When I was watching the Rams last night, it's like, man, this team is just kind of loaded everywhere. And the Niners are too mostly through through drafting. But those little margins are they filling that with a kind of star caliber player? Are they filling it with a third or fourth round pick?
2: It's tough, right? Because the 49ers are running into a, a difficult cap situation to navigate, particularly for this season before the cap goes up by, what, 20 or 30 million in, in 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is why Trey Lance is so important. We talk about Matthew Stafford helping overcome certain weaknesses the Rams might have trey lance might need to do that because look if you sign debo samuel to that contract and he's getting 20 million a a year on average going forward and if you sign nick bosa and he's getting you know close to 30 million a year on average you're looking at big contracts for a lot of guys right you have george kittle fred warner trent williams um debo and bosa like that that's it was, that's a very top heavy roster. And, and that's what the Rams just succeeded with. But where the, the Rams also succeeded with was the fact that they drafted Cooper Cup, what third round pick, right, who's who unquestionably now had the best, maybe the best season ever for any offensive player, like full stop
1: it's really really wild how good he was
2: our, our buddy Nick Wagner who did a great job covering the game for for ESPN i don't know if you guys have ever heard of ESPN but um he tweeted Lucky after the little game, outlet. <laughs> he tweeted after the game Cooper cup offensive player of the year uh, Super Bowl MVP triple crown winner in all the receiving categories the only other player to do that For his entire career, was Jerry Rice, but Cooper Cup did all of that in one season. Like, it's like that's insane, dude. It's completely insane to wrap your mind around it. Um, but ultimately, when it comes to the 49ers getting over the hump, I don't know that they're gonna have the resources to go out and pay for JC Jackson, right? Unless you Mm -hmm. lose unless you lose a contract elsewhere. And like, at that point, are you like, are you trading George Kittle or Fred Warner? Like, I don't see it. Sure. You know? So I think for them, it's going to be about drafting well and drafting to me, I think where they need to shift philosophically um, is stop drafting for need so much and draft the best players you can get, regardless of position and deal with the fit later. Because my thing with, you know, drafting for need is like, man, somebody could tear an ACL during an OTA practice and then you have a completely different need. Mm -hmm. Right. If you like, uh, if you draft for need in the snapshot of late April in 2022, well that might not be a need come training camp. Right. And so (laughs) that that's, and and I point to like Javon Kinlaw, for example, right. Uh Like that's, potentially not a draft pick that they should have made. And I get they had a need because they just lost to Forrest Buckner. But now it's like, man, is Javon Kinlaw just going to be a nose tackle? And is Eric Armstead going to be the three technique? And is utilizing that 13th, 14th overall pick they used on Kinlaw on a nose tackle? Like, is that a smart decision ultimately? Like, that's a big question mark, right? Having good players is never bad. Right. Right. And even Aaron Banks, right? Like the 49ers, like, well, our, our weak spot along the offensive line is right guard. And, and we might need to replace Lakin Tomlinson next year if we can't afford to pay him. So right. let's draft a guard. Well, you really could have used a productive player at a different spot if you weren't so singularly focused on like potential. almost any players. other spot, any <laughs> other spot. Right. So like that to me is where you can quibble with the 49ers philosophy, when it comes to drafting and even paying guys
1: i also don't think it's a coincidence that they pick so much better in the late rounds
2: right you're just taking good players at right. that point right you're just like okay we need a tight end let's go get george kittle yeah like, like like we like you know we can wait on these guys that we really believe in their you know i hate to be like cliche scouting guy but it's like football character mm-hmm. like focus on that stuff less so than you know gosh Javon Kinlaw's. The best, the second best defensive tackle in this class, and we need a defensive tackle. Like you know, let's go get that guy. It's like, well, you could do better than that, I think. Right. Um. So you know, and it's worked. Like I think Brandon Ayuk, they needed a receiver. Clearly, Brandon Mm -hmm. Ayuk is going to ultimately turn out to be a good pick, in my opinion. I agree. Um, But philosophically, when it comes to the draft from here out, they need to just draft the best players available. Yes. Regardless of position, because needs needs change instantaneously and what's a need in April might not be a need in August and it might not be a need a year down the line. You just, what ends up happening if you draft good players and those are your good players, right? Like they, you know, like George Kittle, we, it doesn't matter that they needed a tight end in 2017. It's they drafted George Kittle and he's now a foundational player. For the team, right? You right. just you just need those guys, and you need to find those guys, irrespective of whatever your roster need is in that one moment.
1: I do think there's something to be said for, like drafting for need would tie in. If so, they're the sixty-first pick. Is their first pick sixty-one? So let's say they're picking at sixty-one. And there is a left tackle that's awesome available and a defensive back who's awesome and also available. It's like if they're equal at their position, like go get the position that you could use. Yeah. But if there's an awesome left tackle available and the defensive back class, the rest of the way isn't very good. Don't just pick a defensive back there. Pick the guy who's you think is going to be really good yeah. and figure it out. And I yeah. think that's, that's, What we're getting at ultimately.
2: Yeah. I would agree.
1: Drafting good players.
2: (laughs) Write that down. More after the (laughs) break.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data Learn more at marines.com.
1: Yeah, I just, I, I don't think that there is a, I mean, you're right there. They're probably not going to go be players for Chandler Jones or JC Jackson or anything crazy like that. A, a financially,
2: unless they shed a contract.
1: Right. Which I don't think they're going to do. Um, we'll, we'll see, but I just, I also don't think that that fits with what they want to do
2: team building wise. No, and I, I think they pay you know guys who matter in the locker room and who are yeah. culture setters and and those types of things. Like that but, stuff really matters. I think they're going to look at the Buckner situation and be like, oh, okay, we're not we're going to avoid doing that again."
1: But can they get to a spot where, um, I'm just saying this name. It doesn't it not the specific player, but midseason, Von Miller becomes available or just an edge rusher, and. Okay, maybe you know Samson Abelcom's having a nice year and Arden Key's back and he's he's fine and Nick Bosa's is doing Nick Bosa stuff, but man, all of a sudden you add a Von Miller caliber player and it's gonna cost you a couple mid round picks. Like that this is a roster that go do that. Like yeah. that's that that kind of player, like they would have probably loved to have had an extra edge rusher. And again, I'm not saying they should have done that this year, but I do think moving forward when you look at how the Rams operated, it's like, man those couple extra pieces really got him over the hump
2: well it's i mean they did that with emmanuel sanders in 2019 right right like he was a very important part of the offense once Mm -hmm. he came in so yeah i completely agree like they and you get why
1: they didn't this year because of the trade deadline they were not not in a great spot
2: (laughs) yeah they weren't a piece away they just needed to play better right maybe they were a quarterback away but that's (laughs) (laughs) dude come on man (laughs) um can we talk about the halftime show please it's all i want to talk about i was so you knew next episode was going to play i was a little surprised that they started with next episode i oh, thought it, was it would. perfect i thought they would have started with still but i was not upset at the fact that they ended with still dre um, yeah, and
1: him sitting at the piano
2: yeah yeah so, so my my take on the halftime show i thought all of it was excellent i thought eminem's song choice like when when i when Eminem was first announced, I was like, what song is he going to do? Because he could do it. Mm-hmm. Like, he could go a bunch of different directions. Lose Yourself is perfect.
1: Yeah, you, that's the
2: it was a perfect
1: that's going to appeal to the
2: portion of the audience that maybe wasn't enjoying it that much. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but my my take is like and this is not I am I don't think I'm the only one with this take, but like 50 Cent really like I would have liked it. I would have
1: liked two more minutes of Snoop and two less minutes of 50 cent
2: like in the club was a, is a is a banger like it's
1: on the bachelor party playlist
2: it was <laughs> it was i mean when that i was in high school when that song came out and it was like really the only thing you heard yes like in yes. you know in the senior parking lot and like all of those things, it was like in the club was everywhere and you get it it's a great beat it's a great instrumental it's catchy as hell It starts off really well. The problem here is like, why is 50 Cent in a tank top hanging upside down? It's because when that that music video came out, 50 Cent looked like a bodybuilder. He was like jacked. And that was like part of the appeal. It's Like, oh, this big jacked rapper is like doing sit-ups while hanging upside down. Like, that's kind of a thing. He can't do those sit-ups right now. Or at least he doesn't look like he can do those sit-ups right now so like i I didn't hate the song and the fact that he was a special guest but like instead of hanging him upside down and trying to like recreate that thing like let's do like a man like how cool would have been if they did like a tupac song and like you know that dre and snoop and maybe even eminem like did verses from like a tupac song and sure as you know or even
1: kendrick or just play a Tupac song and let them vibe to a Tupac song,
2: <laughs> right? Right. Like they they could have done some really cool stuff as if like they'd closed. Tupac.
1: If they had closed it with the performers just standing in the middle stage like they were, and to live and die in LA playing, yeah. it would have just been. It would have been perfect.
2: Yeah, like lighters in the air type. type yes. thing. Like yeah, for sure. I I would have I would have been down with that for sure. I was it is the NFL and they need the most mass appeal possible in that spot, which is why you play in the club, because Mm -hmm. it was like a generational smash hit. Right. So I get it. But I'm probably if I'm if I'm producing that halftime show, I'm not hanging 50 cent upside down.
1: Yeah, you're just having him do a normal entrance.
2: <laughs> yeah, just do and something a, cool. And, come up and out having, of it come up out of the stage with smoke and stuff and then have the beat drop or whatever.
1: And having your like your special guest go second and to just show up that way was like, "Oh. There it is, I guess. It wasn't this like any kind of big reveal. Which is I, fine. Like 50 Cent doesn't need a big reveal at this point. Like he's just he's just there.
2: I also thought
1: not like Beyonce showing up.
2: Right. <laughs> I also thought for anybody, and I'm not sure if they're lip syncing. I don't think they were. But for so. anybody who's seen Snoop Dogg perform these last few years, um, he's not the best performer when it comes to going up on stage and rapping, mm-hmm. at least in the couple times that I've seen him. He's probably under the influence of certain things.
1: Oh, he definitely that, was. There was that, video.
2: That will. Yeah. But that make him. I, I, but my point here is I thought Snoop was excellent as a performer at halftime. Mm. Like I thought, you know, like he was actually rapping, saying yes. the words and coherent and everything was like on point. It was good. Whereas like I saw him at the bird's nest at the waste management open in 2019. I was like, this is not great. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's fine, but it, I, I'm just saying like, it was a very good performance in terms of the quality of effort Mm -hmm. that those guys put in and they had to it's it's the biggest perform one of the biggest performances of their lives which is no small thing for those guys
1: I was shocked that Kendrick did all right like shocked
2: what'd you think he would do
1: humble or DNA or something like that and then when he started with backseat freestyle I was, dude, I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> just, Kendrick's the best, dude. Yeah, yeah. He's I'm so good. Big, big uh, But yeah, no, I just, I I didn't think that he would do all right, just because that feels like the kind of thing that the NFL would try and distance itself from, but they didn't. So shout out.
2: Yeah, I haven't, I haven't paid attention to the, fir- the certain news outlets that I'm sure are complaining a lot about the, the halftime show today, but um, incredible, just incredible. Did I don't you know. See-
1: I think it was the New York Post mm-hmm. that had the it might have been TMZ, but it was like Snoop Dogg caught on video smoking before performance. Like, yeah, like, duh,
2: it was it it's probably the first thing he does every morning.
1: Yes. Like, I would have been disappointed if video of that did not surface.
2: I was expecting him to be smoking during the performance. Yes. Same. I would have taken that I, bet. I was surprised I that too. he did not. Like Snoop at the fifty yard line at Super Bowl halftime, like, yeah, for sure he's lighting up, but it didn't happen.
1: Do you think that the league told him not to? Probably. I think so. The, the, uh, I'm guessing that was a stipulation.
2: The clean versions of the the clean set of lyrics that they used was also quite amusing. Just from a pure like kind of comedy standpoint. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like Busters and snitches and things like that. (laughs) totally (laughs) um yeah yeah. that's that's the words yeah (laughs) but no it was it was incredible it was one of those things like you're so excited for it and it the fact that it lived up to the hype Mm -hmm. and there was even a little bit of unexpected stuff with it with you know dre playing the piano (sighs) was really awesome like the um playing i ain't mad at you for a second the little riff there and then like I when when fifty went, I was like, man, if they played, if that cost us still, Dre, like I would have been upset. And would have, <laughs> but the fact that they're like, all right, like once once Dre played it on the keyboard, right. I was like, okay, cool, yeah. still Dre, all time like one of my all time favorite songs, and it's just so iconic. Just the beat drop, you think of. Um, well, why am I brain farting on the uh, the Denzel Washington movie, Training Day? Gosh, that's awful. Um, but when the beat drops in Training Day, right? Like that's like they get in yeah. the car and then like they're they're riding through. Like it's just, I don't know. Here, to, <laughs> when when Dre says "Guess Who's Back" and then the beat drops on the song, like I, it's one of those songs where it, for me it just gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. So to yeah. see that on that stage and then have Dre say "Guess Who's Back," just it was it was an all time moment for me.
1: It was the curating for that halftime show was I think higher than any in my life I don't know a single person who like likes who likes hip-hop and if you hate that type of music then you probably didn't like the show but I don't know anybody who's even mildly interested in hip-hop who was like that sucked right I personally don't know anybody yeah it was great it was great and Mary J. Blige is unbelievable
2: oh yeah goes without saying
1: family affairs on the wedding playlist by the way
2: great all the listeners will be pumped to do it yeah Live <laughs> live pod from the reception or no can't wait dude <laughs> um yeah so we do have we do have your bachelor party this weekend
1: we do um we can produce off the the pod but probably okay. only two pods this week because i'm not working this weekend man.
2: Right? yeah no me neither um do we what we can talk about like do we bring up bachelor party stories next week on the Mabes. pod? Mabes. Okay.
1: Soups depends.
2: <laughs> I guess it depends on how it goes. Um yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I have a lot of songs in my head for the uh for the potential bachelor party playlist since we're gonna Excellent. be in the car for roughly twenty hours, I would <laughs> I would expect. It's fine. Um yeah, that's that's fine. Assuming I don't <laughs> just decide to fly home. Instead of drive, (laughs) that would be really funny. uh, You uh, drive the car. Yeah, yeah, you guys, you guys. Well, I'll meet you there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, man, it'll be. Got a case of Cooperage. Oh, of course we do. Yeah, very. And uh, I, I stumbled onto my last four pack of Candlestick Chronicles, which I, which I cracked open on um, Super Bowl Sunday. So maybe I'll bring the three remaining CCs. Hell yeah. As they're more commonly known. potentially. <laughs> I actually don't Actually know Widely first. known as CCs. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. Uh, that's he's all he's we good. got
2: for Super Bowl stuff. Yep. Niners stuff. We'll have,
1: we'll have more off-season content coming your way later on this week. We
2: will do a Trey Lance breakdown. I like, we'll go, go know, back to kind of, those games. We'll, yes. we'll do that. Let's just yeah. subscribe, rate, review. Please do those things. We'll talk to you guys soon. Yep. See you.